0: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. We have Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Lou speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lost. Uh, second half of a back to back by score of uh, 116 to 108 against the Miami Heat. Um, I don't know. Bit of an annoying game this was. Um, and I say that mostly in instances where the Raptors are. Good enough to win the game, but just find themselves chasing time and time again. And I think usually and when that happens, you got to give a lot of credit to the other team. you got to give a lot of credit to the Heat. They played well tonight, especially their starters. Um, but, you know, the Raptors launched multiple comeback attempts, and uh, it just kind of fell short for them. I don't really know how else to say it other than just um, they couldn't get over the hump. And I think in those games, it becomes more frustrating because they're kind of, you know, it's right there, but it's also not. And it's right there, but it's also not. Um, and, you know, you, again, the Heat have some really, really nice players on their team, even though the record is below 500. Obviously, they went to the finals last year with this team, you know, um, and Jimmy Butler, <laughs> who was a big part of that finals run. Man, Jimmy Butler was awesome tonight. This guy has killed the Raptors so many times. It's unbelievable. It makes me sick. Uh, <laughs> this will, this looked like a TNT Bulls game, honestly, in, in which, you know, um, And, and, you know, to be honest, it doesn't necessarily feel like the Bulls games because, you know, in all honesty, the Bulls had way less talent than the Heat did. So it was even more ridiculous that Jimmy Butler was doing what he was doing. But Butler loves playing against the Raptors. He just loves playing against the Raptors. And honestly, you know, you got to tip your hat to him. Sometimes a great player is just great. And he was great. And all all I've ever really seen Jimmy Butler against the Raptors is greatness outside of when Kawhi Leonard covered him in in the series. And that was good, but otherwise, you know, this guy has dominated the team. And there was a stretch in the fourth quarter where Jimmy scored 12 straight points for Miami. Uh, was setting up every single play. You know, he had the, the the game-winning assist, or the game-clinching assist. Finding Bam Adebayo on a roll after the Raptors failed to secure two defensive rebounds on the same possession. And, um, yeah, you know, it just, it just wasn't there for the Raptors. And this is a weird game, because even though the Raptors hit 23s, and shot 50% from the field, they lost, which is just very unusual, and, and it, it's just, you know, that doesn't happen that often, right, I mean, you just don't see a lot of instances where teams hit twenty threes and lose, now, granted, the Heat were also pretty good on, you know, they shot 17 of 38 from three, that's 45%, that's, you know, roughly the same as percentage as the Raptors, You just shot less threes, but um, the Heat, I just think, did a couple more things better than the Raptors, and, you know, some of that you can maybe chalk down to, um, you know, fatigue, second half of a back-to-back, all that stuff, you know, third, third game in four nights, I think that's a very real factor, they obviously played a long game against, uh, the Sixers, which, you know, part of it was their own doing, but, you know, that's fine, um, but you look at, you know, just the difference in this game, um, a lot more possessions for the Heat, like, the Heat took six more field goal attempts than the Raptors. Uh, part of that was the Heat winning the offensive rebound battle 11-3. to The Heat took 13 or 12 more free throws than the Raptors. And, you know, they won the turnover battle as well. And when you kind of do all that, I mean, you just have more chances to, like, literally crack the nut. And, you know, in this game, when it was pretty close, you know, decent, you know, the Raptors were in, you know, one or two possessions a few times. That, honestly, by <laughs> in and of itself, is the difference. And, you know, of course, on top of that, you have Jimmy Beller, who was, again, sensational. Take nothing away from Jimmy. You know, lots of respect for what he's done, um, especially in the last few seasons. Um, you know, it just is kind of is what it is. So, a bit of a frustrating game. Again, just because the Raptors tried to make so many um, comeback attempts, and they weren't shooting the ball well. But, you know, there were also stretches where they didn't shoot the ball well. Like, I thought, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, when the Raptors were making their push, um, you know, they had two fast breaks that came off a steal, came off a a block by OG, or, or I think, I forget who it was, actually, but it was, it was you know, two live ball turnovers by the Heat, you know, the Heat only committed 11 turnovers, but there were two live ball turnovers, the Raptors got uh, nothing at the rim on one of those, and Fred Van Lee got open for three, and he missed that, or no, OG got open for three, and he missed that, but, Regardless, there were some great opportunities there and they just couldn't connect. On some of those, um, actually, I think Fred did miss the transition three, and then OG missed the open corner three during that stretch. That could have flipped the tie for the Raptors. You know, there's some other stretches where the Raptors got it within two points, and then the Heat would come back, and Jimmy Butler, you know, would would get to the basket and score. Uh, you know, he would shoot the three and score. And that part was actually super frustrating because Jimmy Butler, sh- coming into this game, had made four total threes on the season. He was four for 25. You know, he's had this weird transition where he used to be a guy who came, who did rely a little bit on the three-pointer, but especially since he's gone to Miami, has basically just um, taken the three-point shot off the table, except in moments where he really needs it. This is like basically what Dwayne Wade used to do, essentially. Uh, Dwayne obviously was, um, you know, not a three-point shooter, but when he needed to be, he was a three-point shooter. And Jimmy Butler tonight, coming into the game, four total made threes. Tonight he made three and several of those in the second half, which were just absolutely killer, including a pull-up three on Norman Powell as the Raptors were making their comeback. So, you know, you, you got to give them some credit. And, you know, I honestly think you got to give the Raptors some credit, too, because I think that some of the Raptors played pretty well as well. I think um, the Raptors starters in general played quite well. There's one obvious exception, and I'll get to that uh, in a bit. But, you know, to focus on the positives, I think Kyle Lowry coming back obviously <laughs> shows us what the team had been missing in terms of... You know, of course, the Raptors have been winning without Kyle in the lineup, and that's great. But this idea that the Raptors don't need Kyle, the Raptors, you know, are better without Kyle, that's outrageous. Kyle Lowry shows, I mean, first off, it's outrageous because, like, have you not seen, like, the last, like, eight seasons of the Raptors basketball, period, right? But even just, <laughs> just even just now, it's not like Kyle Lowry fell off a cliff or something, man. The guy came back, 24 points, 7 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals, 9 of 13 shooting, 4 7 from 3. Um, In 35 minutes, you know, with his thumb bandaged and everything like that, this guy was red hot. And he was hot from start to finish, too. That's the thing. I mean, he came out in the first quarter, hit two threes, you know, a trailing three off of Pascal's uh, transition push. And then another three where it was like a deep pull up. And this guy was making wild shots, getting to the basket, you know, know, breaking down the Heat's perimeter defense, which is the very, very tough part of the Heat's defense is the perimeter defense, especially when they play zone. But Kyle Lowry was able to break inside, you know, get to the basket, driving and ones, driving in transitions, using a strength uh, muscling pass, even setting up teammates as well. I mean, he led the team in assists. I mean, this is Kyle Lowry. This is what the Raptors have been missing, man. Like, you know, and it was good to see him in in a rhythm, uh, you know, because we've seen games where Kyle has come back and, you know, had been kind of rusty with his jumper. Nothing like that tonight, right? And it's not like the game where he came back against Indiana, you know, where, you know, he shot really poorly and got ejected. This game, totally different. Shot the exact opposite. Even though he had a thumb injury, which you would think would affect the shooting, um, it didn't. And um, maybe that's not a surprise either, considering he played – uh, the Bucks series and the the Warriors series um, for the championship with a uh, with that oven mitt on the whole time, <laughs> but um yeah man Kyle is uh he's a gamer he's just an absolute gamer he comes back and you know was the Raptors best player tonight and uh, it's great to see honestly it's great to see the Raptors kept starting small as um, as expected I think you know if, if they were gonna start small with DeAndre Andre they're definitely gonna start small with Kyle Lowry and that that did work. In terms of getting the Raptors going offensively, the only thing I would say is defensively, it did leave them a little bit small. I mean, Kyle Larry plays bigger than his size, obviously, but Bembry being a guy who's like six five to be out there, um, you know, if if Kyle weren't playing tonight, for example, it'd be Embry against Butler. Not sure that would have made too big of a difference, considering Butler made some ridiculous shots anyway. But you know, it was a bit of a mismatch, especially when Butler posted and that, that attracted double teams, and Butler did a great job of carving the Raptors apart with his passing. He had ten assists tonight. Um, but, you know, there was a bit of size shortage, and honestly, towards the end of the game, there was a huge size shortage, but again, I will talk about that, but Kyle was great, absolutely phenomenal, um, in his return, and, you know, it's a shame that Raptors lost, but he was really good, um, I thought Norm, you know, sustained his play quite well, uh, you know, it was a bit choppy at times, he didn't get out to that huge start that Norm usually does, right, Norm usually gets you, like, 12 in the first quarter and finishes with, like, 25, 26, and You know, uh, it wasn't quite that kind of game for Norm tonight, but I thought Norm did a good job of finding a couple of counters to uh, beat what the Heat were doing to them. You know, um, one thing that Norm's done really well this year is when guys close out hard to him in the corner, because you should close out hard to Norm. Norm's been shooting the ball lights out. Norm has just taken that one dribble inside that baseline and... Um, you know, the long two, which is not necessarily a great shot, but especially if you're seeing what the way the defense is reacting to you, I don't mind that shot as a way to beat the defense. And he did do that tonight, um, had a couple of crafty drives, um, you know, again, the Heat have some pretty tough perimeter defenders, uh, or even like Duncan Robinson, who I wouldn't say is a great defender by any means. Um, but he is still pretty big. (laughs) And Norm is still at the end of the day, like six, three trying to drive a guy who's like you know, 6'8 in Duncan Robinson. You know, there is a a bit of a size mismatch to go there, but I thought Norm got his offense well, um, and and he scored in rhythm as he usually does. Uh, Fred had a really good stretch, especially in the second half. It really felt like he was um, stepping up in a big way for the Raptors, which is not unusual for Fred VanVleet. He also had a really strong first half, too, where the Raptors were um, basically making Fred carry these uh, bench-heavy lineups where it would be, like, Fred out there with uh, Chris Boucher at power forward, Aaron Baines at center, and then, like, Pat McCaw and DeAndre Bembry. And in those situations, Fred is absolutely the number one uh, option. And then the second option is Chris Boucher calling his own number and shooting jumpers, which, I I, again, I totally welcome, because you need that from him. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, in those lineups, it's very difficult for Fred to even get any room, and he has to work really hard off the ball, come off screens, everything like that, but Fred's done a good job uh, of making that work, you know, kind of like Kyle Lowry plus bench, although uh, a little bit more half-court than than, than full-court scoring in transition, which is what Kyle really does a good job of as well, Uh, but Fred did a really good job in the first uh, half, but I thought he did an even better job in the second half, honestly. Um, The Heat are a tough opponent, um, but... You know, I, I thought Fred was able to impact the game, especially with his shooting. Um, like he, the fact that he shot 5 of 11 from 3 was uh, really impressive, considering some of those shots um, were quite difficult. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I also liked the way he led the team. I just thought, like, you know, there's one play where, end of the third quarter, the camera picked up on the microphone, the microphone picked up on a, on a conversation that Fred and Chris Boucher were having under the basket where, you know Bam Adebayo had beaten Aaron Baines at the top of the floor off the dribble, which I don't even blame Baines for because the Raptors' coverage is such that they really like to press their bigs up high against Adebayo in case the, the Heat run the dribble handoffs. You know you need to be up high and show uh, and help a lot of the time against the Heat shooters. So, but one of the downsides of that is that you can get beat off the dribble, and um, Bam obviously is a quicker player than than. Than uh, beans, but that's okay so long as you have help at the rim. And Chris Boucher was the low man, he is his responsibility to help at the rim. He was late to help the heat were able to score. And you know, Fred was caught talking to Boucher not in a rude way, not in like a in your face kind of way, not like a Draymond Green type of, type of situation. It's just kind of just like telling Chris, like, yo, we need to be better than that, we need to be better than that. And I, I like that kind of accountability, and I think that's part of what leaders do is hold people accountable. And then also, at the same time, hold themselves accountable. And I thought Fred, you know, uh, responded to that by getting to the free throw line twice, driving inside for free throws, um, and then hitting this miraculous turnaround jump shot to end the third quarter uh, that, you know, kept the Raptors kind of uh, close. And again, the Raptors were teasing, you know, like the game was really never out of reach, but it was also never in their grasp. And... Um, yeah, that was tough, but Fred made some really nice plays. Like, I thought he had a, a tough corner three late in the game to, again, push the Raptors, you know, within like two possession striking distance under two minutes. He had another play where the Heat sent a random double team at him, and Fred had to dribble and dribble and dribble and get all the way to the baseline. And I was like, oh my God, here comes another really um, forced and rushed shot for Fred. He, he's obviously put in that situation a lot. Uh, but then he Fred through this gorgeous cross-court pass to Norman Powell with like a s- two seconds left on the shot clock, and Norman was able to drain the three because the Heat had sent the double team, so um, that was where the open man was coming from. It was a beautiful pass, like he, he you know, it was, you know uh, it was like Fred Van Vliet came out of La Masia or something because it was one of those uh, Barcelona tiki-taka-style passes uh, beating the whole defense, but... Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, Fred had a great game. And honestly, as good as Kyle Lowry played, I thought Fred was right there with him <laughs> in terms of the way he did, um, you know, in terms of his scoring. And even O.J. Anobi, I thought was pretty solid. I-, I think the three-point shot for O.G., it does feel like he should make more of these. Like, I remember him just being stuck on automatic. I- there's really nothing to complain about with O.G. shooting 2 of 5. That's like, a totally normal night for him. If he shot 2 of 5 all season for 40% on five attempts, I'd be thrilled. Uh, but, you know, I thought OG was good, in, especially, you know, because he had to play as a big man most of the time, um, rolling inside, dunking, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, the Heat, spend, especially because the Heat spends so much of their energy guarding the perimeter, and they should, honestly. The Raptors' best scores tonight were Fred, you know, Kyle, Norman Powell. You should send a lot of help towards the perimeter, but that left them rotating a little bit on the back line, and when they were able to slip passes to OG as he slipped to the basket, he was able to finish strong. You know, he had a muscle up finish over you know Bam Adebayo, and um, it was a tough night for OG too because he had to guard Bam as well. And Bam seemed really determined. There were some games I felt like when the Raptors played the Heat earlier in in the in the season. Bam was such a focal point of the offense in terms of he had to create so much scoring without Butler there. That I didn't think Bam was as dominant in terms of getting to the offensive glass or creating for others or rebounding and things like that. With Butler back and Adebayo obviously being a number two, he looked much more comfortable and he was able to impact the, the, the games, especially through getting offensive rebounds. OG did a good job holding him off in the first half. Second half, Adebayo kind of just feasted the Raptors. And, um... Even off the bench, I thought Baines gave them solid minutes, you know, against the zone. Baines, you know, I mean, damn, I mean, it's hard enough for, we saw Baines try to score that open floater against Joel Embiid, and that didn't quite go his way. When you put a zone defense on him as well, it's really going to be tough for him. He did make a three off the top, which was nice. Of course, right afterwards, he did a heat check, which, I mean, come on, man. An Aaron Baines heat check should not be happening at any point in, in, in any game of any significance. Uh, and that was a annoying to see. But, you know, Baines gave them some solid minutes. I think Baines' screening is really big, especially if Fred is going to be playing with that second unit and running that show. Because you're going to need him to come around screens, get separation, get open. Baines gets you open. Baines will, if you, if you run off of Baines' screen, you're going to have an advantage. And he's going to brush off the defender and uh, Fred and Lee's going to have some kind of advantage to work with, Um in any case, though, against the zone, I mean, it was nothing. Like, you know, that was tough. But Bates gave them some solid minutes. I thought Boucher gave them some solid minutes as well. I mean, the 11 points, the 4 of 6 shooting, 2 of 3 from 3, uh, you know, it was secure in the defensive glass in the first half, you know, gave them some activity, to, you know, uh, disrupted a couple passes. And generally speaking, I wasn't totally sure why Boucher didn't play more. I thought he could have maybe played a little bit more to close the game just to give them a little bit more size. But, um... You know, the Raptors decided to go small and try to f- make up the gap with offense, which, um, not too surprising, considering the Heat kind of carved the Raptors apart offensively. I thought the Heat were... It's not even necessarily, like, you look at the shooting percentages and you you, you say it, it was that wild. Like, of course, like, you know, uh, the Heat shot the three well, but re- realistically, it doesn't seem that ridiculous. But the ball movement for the Heat was really good. The 31 assists for them was, was, was quite impressive. Um, and they just kind of had the Raptors beat most of the time. I don't know. Sometimes you watch a game and you can just tell when a team is beat. And and there was a lot of guys getting open for back cuts, guys uh, slipping free to the basket, the Raptors having to double, and that leading to open shots. There's a lot of annoying stuff for the Raptors tonight. And, um, you know, the Heat did a really good job running their offense. Uh, but, you know. It was one of those games. And honestly, one of the differences, you know, aside from the Heat, you know, having Jimmy Butler and also their possessions and, you know, everything like that is, like, I just thought, like, you, you know, you needed something from Pascal Siakam. Like, Pascal Siakam is a max player, and so you need something from him. He's been really good of late, like, really consistently good. Against, you know, he's had good games against good teams as well, like, you know, the Bucs. Uh, he thought he was really good against the Sixers as well. Um, You needed something from Pascal. And tonight, he he just didn't have it, like, at all. Like, he had five points in 24 minutes, only made one shot on six attempts, uh, three turnovers, four fouls, and yeah, he got benched for the entire fourth quarter. And listen, you know, I don't even know if it was necessarily, like, a benching out of punishment. Like, of course, he didn't play well, absolutely, and, and whatever, but generally speaking, I've seen guys not play well and still give chances to play, but... Um I don't I don't even know like it was bad to be fair it was bad right and you know there was a stretch in the uh second quarter there where where Pascal came into the game was kind of leaving the bench unit and then for some reason he picked up two quick fouls back to back just trying to guard Jimmy Butler kind of and like it wasn't even like it was it was a foul out of laziness really cuz he was just reaching out and grabbing Butler instead of playing man to man using his feet I mean Pascal's a quick player you don't need to do that against Butler um you know, use your length, stay in front, contest, like, it's, you know, whatever, right, but Pascal was going over the screen, you know, he was was reaching a little bit, whatever, two quick fouls, but then right after that, the Raptors got on a fast break, Pascal uh, was actually, did a good job of dribbling and to give himself the advantage, because he had used his handle to push ahead and and, and beat the line of defense, so it created a numbers advantage for the Raptors going forward, just because he was faster than some of these guys, but as he usually does, once he gets into the paint, you know he likes to take two long steps, jump, and then look for a shooter. Uh, in, in instead of maybe like you know a more, um, I don't know. It just feels like he's he's all he's kind of doing that quite often. Like that's the pattern he gets into. And generally speaking, Pascal is a pretty good transition player. Um, even when he's not finishing, I think when he's I think he's better finishing, but he's also you know quite good at running the break and finding shooters, but I think that he did a good job of scouting him, and a guy like Kelly Olenek, I mean, if Pascal had kept his dribble low, um, you know, chopped up his steps a little bit, could have got by Kelly Olenek in open court. All Kelly could really do is uh, take a charge. Instead, Pascal jumps into the air. This is the second time he's done that too in this game, where he jumped into the air to look for a pass, and the pass wasn't fully there, Um, and Kelly just stepped in for the charge, and that was Pascal's fourth foul, Initially, it was called a block, but the Heat smartly reviewed it, and it was indeed a block. So, Pascal had four fouls at that point, and the guy just didn't impact the game the rest of the way, which is disappointing. Very disappointing. Um, you know, Nick Nurse said after the game that it was really just a case of Pascal being tired and, you know, him not wanting to overtax his guys, which... I mean, okay, I get that. I, I get that. I mean, the other actions in, in Nick's rotations make sense in terms of, you know, more not it makes sense, but are congruent with that thought. Like, the fact that he went 12 deep in his rotation, gave multiple guys chances to play, like, okay, I get that. But at the same time, I thought at least some point in the fourth quarter you bring Pascal in, if nothing else, just for his defense, right? Because, you know, okay, even if you want to play the way the Raptors were playing, that's fine. You just need some size on the floor. Like, I think the Raptors giving up two late offensive rebounds in the same possession where the Raptors could have maybe gotten, after they got in the stop, grabbed the rebound, minute left, Six point game, you know. Wilder things have happened. Like you could hit a three, all of a sudden that game is di- that totally different, right? But instead, this was the lineup that was in to close the game. It was Kyle Lowry at point, Fred Vl- Well, maybe Fre- you know Fred at point, Kyle at two, Norm at three, Terrence Davis at four, and OG and Obi at five. You're just not going to get rebounds. Period. One like you know like it just you're just not like of course you could say okay you guys could have you know the guards could have gang rebounded better you know normally one rebound Fred four you know okay but like that's not enough that's not enough size like those that's that's four guards and 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 one wing player like that's just not enough size and so it wasn't that much of a surprise to me either when when Pascal when, when um, the Raptors were giving up some um, layups or some uh, rebounds at the end but. You know, it just, it hurts when you, when you don't play Pascal, it hurts not necessarily just the offense, but it hurts the defense as well, man. Like there's just not that many versatile defenders out there. Like maybe you could have put Stanley in, you know, Stanley's probably like the physically the biggest wing out there, unless you want to put Utah, who hasn't really played since he got dunked on, which I mean, you know, come on, man, just cause he got dunked on doesn't mean he can't play. Um, but Stanley hasn't, you know, he, he gave me, came in for three minutes, you know, he was a minus 11 those three minutes. I don't even know how it's possible. Uh, you know, or even put Boucher out there, you know, I, again, like, if you want the shooting, you know, that's fine, I think Terrence gives you shooting, but Boucher gives you shooting too, and he's also, like, you know, a, a guy who can rebound and challenge shots at, at, at the basket, and, and just play, generally, much better defense, I was surprised by that decision, I really was, and, um, you know, Nick's just says it was a case of getting Pascal some rest, which, if that's true, then it is what it is, right, Um, I, I do know that, you know, Pascal played over 40 minutes the last two games against the Sixers. Those are all very hard-fought games with Pascal being a big part of those. So, you know, maybe that is, is just is what it is. And the schedule is kind of unrelenting. I mean, like, damn. The Raptors just play, like, every other night. And it's ridiculous, man. Like, it's like, why are the Raptors always on a back-to-back? It's, it's like, all the Raptors' losses are just, like, weird situational losses. Like, the last time the Raptors did this was, you know, second out of a back-to-back playing Minnesota or some shit like that. Like, it's just... It's annoying, is what I'm trying to say. I, I don't want to see this all the time. It's it, it, it's uh I hate scheduled losses. Like, what's the point of scheduling the game if the, if the game is so you know uphill? But yeah, whatever. But you, you do have to give the Heat a lot of credit, too. Like, I, I really don't want to take anything away from them. That's why I started the game with that, because they were really good. Andre Godala kills the Raptors all the time. Uh, Butler kills the Raptors all the time. And they beat the Raptors. So, um, in terms of your three stars from this game... I will give the first star to Kyle Lowry in his return. Twenty-four points in uh, thirty-five minutes, seven seven rebounds to lead the team. Twenty-eight, uh, sorry, um, seven rebounds to lead the team. Eight assists to lead the team. Two steals to lead the team. Twenty-four points matches Fred lead for most uh, on the Raptors. Shot the best percentage as well. Kyle Iyer, man. Stop doubting this, man. Please. Okay. Uh, in terms of your second star, uh, I'm going to give that to Fred. 24 points, 4 rebounds, 7 assists, 6 of 13 from the field, 5 of 11 from 3, 7 of 8 from the free throw line in 39 minutes. Carries a heavy load. He, I mean, listen, if anyone can get some rest, it would be Fred Van Vliet, but luckily he's incredibly well conditioned and uh, has shown an ability to play hard at a high level for extended minutes. Uh, but yeah, Fred was quite good. And then third star... Uh, there's a couple places to go with this. I, I mean, you know, there's a big, definitely a big drop-off after the two-point guards. I would say, you know, OG has a shot at it. Although, defensively, he was put in a tough spot guarding Adebayo with very little help with no Pascal on the floor. You know, Norm has a shot at it, too. He made some tough baskets. Boucher has a shot at it. Um, so, really, you can go with any of those three guys. I'm just going to give it to OG. It's been a while since I've given OG a star. And, yeah, 14.6 rebounds, two assists, two blocks. You know, I had a, had a nice block against Jimmy Butler in the fourth quarter. That sparked a fast break. 6-13 uh, from the field, 2-5 from three for, for OG. I'm looking for more from OG. I want him to find the same rhythm that he had before. I will say, however, though, that um, because of the small ball lineup, OG is now the fifth option again, which is not a big deal. He was the fourth option before that. But, uh, you know, when you look at who's going to get shots, Kyle's going to get shots, Fred's going to get shots, Pascal's going to get shots, and then Norm's going to get shots on top of that. So OG is gonna have to, I don't know, settle for less is the right word, but um, there it's not they're not gonna be he's not gonna be the number one on option on a play that often, but that doesn't mean that he can't impact the game. And yeah, I thought he did a decent job tonight. Um, in terms of your Gerald Henderson Award winner, uh, that's gotta go to Andre Godala. I think. Iguodala, okay, so he he made four or five from three. Um, for 12 points and 5 uh, rebounds. Every time I watch Igodala against the Raptors, I'm always just like, damn, he's still that good at this age, huh? Because it's, I don't know, like, there's just something about Igodala where he's so smart, his length is so, you know, his length has always been a plus, absolutely. Uh, and there's just something about putting Igodala in a zone defense that allows him to use his two greatest assets, which is the fact that he has really, really long arms and also very smart hands. Very quick hands. Like, it's literally, Igodala has like Fred Emily level hands. Um, on top of the fact that he's very smart as well. So, he's able to just, you know, call his own shots a little bit, pressure. And he just such does such a good job in the Heat zone defense. It's kind of like a perfect marriage between the two. And I know Igodala gets paid a ton, or whatever. He's kind of old. And, you know, I mean, aside from this game against the Raptors, he was shooting like 20% from three. But he just does so many th- good things for the, for, um, Miami and I kind of wish the Raptors had an Iguodala uh, I mean of course I wish the Raptors had Iguodala just dating back to when they drafted Hafa Arugio over him in like 2005 but nevertheless um, yeah Igodala is quite good tonight so that does it for the podcast thanks everyone for listening you know it's a bit of a frustrating loss I think you can probably tell based on the impatience of my voice but uh it just kind of is what it is you know the Raptors aren't going to win at all they're now 16 and 17 they're under 500 again uh, Miami's catching up too. Miami's fifteen and seventeen, so they're really not far. But pretty much the whole conference is like that. Like Boston's under five hundred, Miami's under five hundred, Raptors under five hundred. You know, Boston lost again tonight. Um, the conference is weird. Like it just it's just is weird. Indiana lost. Like the whole conference is five hundred. So you don't overreact too much to you know falling below a line or winning lo- winning or losing one or two games. Um, it just kind of is what it is. This is what the season is. Hopefully, with the Raptors all healthy now, I think. You know, Nick's gonna have to figure out his rotation a little bit. Definitely, you can't play twelve guys. Although, of course, tonight was more of a special exception with it being a a third game in four nights and a back-to-back. But, um, yeah, figure out the rotation a little bit. Everyone's healthy. Make a push. You know, make some trades. If I think Raptors could definitely use some trades to, uh, especially to upgrade their center rotation. But, um, you know, just make a move with the team because. Still not totally sure what direction the Raptors are going in. I think they're heading in a good direction. They've had some pretty positive results. This is not a bad loss by any means. But, um, you know, they, I think they could probably use a little bit more of a push. So, we'll see if that comes. But, um, yeah, in the meantime, the Raptors lose. They play in two nights. What are the Raptors got? I don't know, coming up, man? Jeez, did the Raptors ever stop playing basketball? Not really. They play the Houston Rockets on Friday then they play the Bulls on Sunday. So thankfully they actually have two off days. And then the Pistons. And then the, wow, no back-to-backs next week. Oh, that's actually pretty great before they get to the all-star break. So, look, the Raptors could finish out strong. I know the Raptors kind of struggle against the Celtics, but the Celtics are really playing poorly. But if the Raptors can take the next three games, which there's no reason why they couldn't. Like, the Rockets are playing pretty poorly of late. They are kind of in a slide because they didn't have Christian Wood for a while. And, you know, he's a big player for them. Uh, the Bulls won tonight, but the Bulls are the Bulls. And, you know, they're just kind of... Uh, an average team as usual although honestly they're what 15 and 16 wow they have the same record as the Raptors see like literally everyone in the East is 500 and then the Pistons who realistically the Raptors should win so as long as the Raptors get to the all-star break you know above 500 which they should you know I I really have a few complaints so Um, yeah check back in on Friday when the Raptors play again so, start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash people today. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.